Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 27, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You will find us in Chapter 5, entitled How It Works, on page 68, the third paragraph on the page, beginning with, We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. And today's readers are Marcella, Sally, KDF, and Devora. The share ID for yesterday's meeting, Monday, August 26, 5008. That's 5008. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Sarah to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Sarah, compulsive overeater from New York. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now call on Ann S. to read the 12 Traditions. Uh, hi, good morning. My name is Anne. I am a compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, Rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 68, the third paragraph on that page, beginning with, we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. And I will ask Marcella to begin reading, please. Good morning. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of ages of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what we would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow here. Good morning, everybody. As I said, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. In this paragraph, it reads like poetry or like a beautiful prayer. 
where it says, instead we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. People come to us and say, Marcella, Marcella, how did you lose the weight? Uh, how have you kept it off? And I just think inside of myself, I didn't. God did it for me. And we were just talking about fears because we're now at the end of our inventory. So we have listed resentments. We have listed fears. Now we're going about to list the sex inventory. And isn't that interesting that the previous paragraph talks about fear and the following paragraph talks about sex, fear and sex, and obesity and starving, and endless sizes of clothing in my closet. That interesting. I wrapped myself and my identity when I was in the food and in other substances around the fact that I had had been abused with um, sexual behavior. And that's who I was. I didn't know what else to be. And through this process, I have what's described in, in the beginning of the book, a huge rearrangement, a huge displacement of emotion. And now I, from outside, people think I'm normal. I'm married sexually active, employed, I'm happy, I'm optimistic, I'm not depressed. But the best of all, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I don't even need to think about food. So if you're listening to this meeting and thinking, no, I'm damaged beyond repair. I've been in therapy for 40 years like I have. I became a psychologist in the process like I did. It won't work for me. It works for everybody else. But you just give it a try to jump and dive, and God will do for you through us, through the collective vision for you, what you have never been able to do for yourself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Marcella. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. So we're finishing up the fear section of our inventory. So this inventory is very simple. It's basically some action followed by prayers. Action followed by prayers. We went through the sick man's prayer. We're now going to go over the fear prayer. And when we go over the sex conduct, there's going to be three separate prayers. So let's look at that fear prayer. It says we ask. So asking is a prayer. We ask him. We ask our higher power to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to outgrow fear. So we are asking God to help us become the person that he always wanted us to be. You know, through self-will, through self-propulsion, through self-pity, all these manifestations of self, I have created this world of pain and misery and depression and resentment and anger and fear. And now we're asking God to remove that so that we can become the people that God always intended us to be. So, for example, I had a fear of being laughed at. Because I was laughed at as a child. I, I, I did a dance in front of my class and I fell and everybody laughed at me. And I carried that fear throughout my life. So when I looked at that, you know, what would God have me be? God would have me be a human being, a a person who can make mistakes. 
You know, we talked a lot about perfectionism these last couple of days. Well, I had to find out that the problem that wasn't that I wasn't perfect. The problem that I had a pretty screwed up definition of what perfect should be. It was my expectation. People make mistakes. People goof up. And that's okay. That doesn't make me any less than. I am just a child of God doing the best that I can. And I do a good job. And the closer I grow to God, the better Kim that I become. I tortured myself with that word, what is normal. I often hear normal is basically a cycle on the washing machine. That's all it is. So I'm asking God in. I'm praying. I'm acknowledging what my fears are, whether they are real or fancied. And I'm asking God to remove that fear and direct my attention from what he would have me be. So I'm going to just take the attention I always put on self, self-pity, self-will, self-propulsion, and I'm going to look it towards God. Look towards God and say, God, what do you want me to be? And that alone will help me to outgrow fear, because that's what we're going to do. This is not a light switch. This is more like a dinner switch. Every day we're going to ask God in. Every day we're going to grow further and further from fear. So we're going to do the action of writing down the fears, and we're going to take more to do the prayer. We're going to do the action of the, of the resentment's prayer, resentment um, inventory, and we're going to say the sick man's prayer. We're going to learn the actions of the sex conduct, and we're going to do those prayers. And we're going to begin to outgrow from the person that we created in self-will, and we're going to grow towards the person that God always intended us to be. And that's what recovered means. You know, I am not cured. I am a compulsive overeater. But because of this program, I no longer suffer from compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Yes, Bella, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you very much for leading this meeting, and thank you very much for all of you that stay on the line. I look here at the paragraph at two sentences. First, it says, we can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Yes, people think that by this that we are putting all our power or all our thinking to God is weakness. Hey, wait a minute. What do you mean, God, God, God? What about you? If you want, you will do. If you don't want, you will not do. If you want to, to get this way, you will get this way. And this that we are uh, depending on God, it might of we are weak people. But you know what? Now that I am in the program, thank God, and it's a miracle, I understand that the, the, the different sentence that says faith means courage. Yes, by this that I am facing reality, I need the courage. I need the courage to face reality and to pose and to say, Bella, hold on, what is really your job? What really, uh, who you are, what you have in your personality to, to give to this world and to accept myself the way I am? To know that I have, yes, I do have character defects, and I also have my quality. 
I don't have to run to the food. I need a courage to, to, to be able to look at the mirror at myself and to say, yes, I know that I need the power of God, but God created me here in this world to do something positive, not to look at other people and to blame them, to look at myself and to accept myself. Yes, I need courage to, to accept myself the way I am, to know that, yes, I have my qualities. I am, I am gifted child from God. And this is the courage because to, to, to take all the layers from my character defect and to find my qualities, I need courage. And this courage I will get only from God. The way we say the serenity prayer. God gave, gave me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can. And this is this courage I get from God, and by this I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, it's Laura. Laura, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Hi, it's Laura, recovered in South Jersey today. I just wanted to jump in because this paragraph really reminds me that um, self-reliance has failed me, like we talked about in the previous paragraphs and I mean at this point we are we are the food is down I mean we are at step four here and steps one two and three we already made that decision to turn our will and our life over to our higher power so when I've done that it's very difficult for me to to do that and have fear at the same time because fear is the absence of faith so if I'm having fear it means I'm not relying on God I'm not relying on my higher power um but, you know, but there's times when I feel like a little embarrassed to talk about, well, I, you know, I've turned my life over to God and pe- some people think I'm a little kooky. But, you know, for me, I never apologize for my higher power. I see that, you know, my way got me here. My self-reliance got me into the disease of compulsive eating and it got me into, it almost killed me. It really did. It almost killed me. And um, so just for today... I never apologize for anyone for depending on my higher power. And faith is courage. Faith is strength. And I don't always have faith. I don't always, I mean, I mean, I don't always have the absence of fear. I mean, my fears pop up constantly, but I do know that they don't debilitate me today. They don't paralyze me. They don't stop me in my tracks and say, no, I can't go on. I, I have tools today and I, the, this book tells me what to do. It tells me to immediately turn back to God. I can't serve two masters. I can't serve fear and serve God at the same time. So that's just what it reminded me of today, and I'm so grateful for this meeting and grateful for my recovery today. Pass. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Barbara. Barbara. And there was someone else I'm hearing in the background. Go ahead, Barbara, then we'll catch the others. Thank you. Okay, thank you. This is Barbara, Miriam. compulsive overeater. And it was very good to spend this time on fear. It's reminding me of the fact that when I, before I was a retired person in New England, we lived in New Jersey and had a, a big book meeting every Monday morning. And the way we closed the meeting was we would leave something and take something. And every Monday I would say, 
I want to leave fear and take faith. Leave fear and take faith. And that continuance of doing step four, as it says, you know, fear, facing everything and recovering, as opposed to fear, forgetting everything and running, I could then take it to prayer because there was no self-help book, no analysis, nothing of all those fears, fear of the work, fear of people, fear of my mother, as it says, you know, fear of economic insecurity, all the many fears, on and on. Facing it through the steps and then praying for the removal instead of trying to analyze and use therapy, all of which can help but can't do it, but taking it to prayer does it, and it continues to do it when I, as it says, the courage is fear that has said its prayers. So when I do say my prayers and I go to God with it, I do outgrow the fear. I do outgrow the fear. I don't have to go back to taking it into myself, chewing on it, mulling over it, and letting it grow. The steps move it out. The prayer moves it out. So I'm very thankful to look at it and filled with gratitude that I can trust, as it says, trust and rely on God. And it's going to happen. And it doesn't happen in my time. I mean, I want it done like by noon if I'm fearful about something. To live with it and to go through it is another part of this experience for me. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Miriam, go ahead. Krista. Thank you, Leah. This is Miriam calling from Israel, a compulsive overeater, living in the solution one day at a time, and so grateful to be here. Well, we're here in the um, step four. We're doing the fear inventory. And I, you know, I've changed so much my attitude towards it as I go along because, you know, fears and resentments and jealousies and whatever keep coming up, you know, in life. And and I say to myself usually, okay, Miriam, welcome to the human race. And the difference now from before is that, uh, thanks God, there's something to be done about it. And I just wanted to comment about this uh, last paragraph here, which is um, is a prayer you know, that my sponsor usually asks me to, to draw different colors, and it's in blue. So it says, we ask him to remove our fears and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to grow fear. Yeah, this is uh, a very, very good um, prayer that I, I usually do when fears come up or things come up. But when I did my um, my fear inventory... I did a much more um, uh, deep um, um, prayer for, for all, all of my fears. And I just want to share one, giving an example. Um, it says, Dear God, I humbly come to you with the fear of, for example, not being loved, because I've relied on my finite self to provide, with, to provide me with self-worth. I now come to you trusting and relying upon your infinite love to heal me. Please, God, remove my fears of not being loved and direct my attention to what would you have me be. So, you know, whenever I see that a fear, you know, keeps coming back or or whatever, I, I do try to go back to this as as, as well as I, you know, 
I am doing resentment prayers now. So these prayers are really very, very useful for, you know, as we keep going on on program, because, you know, when we get into step 10, afterwards, it will say that we have to continue looking for fears, resentments, and, and all the things that we have, because we, we are human. And one of the things that I, I'm learning more and more from 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 my recovery is that the more I do it, the more I realize how much I depend I need to trust, depend, and rely on my higher power because I am really, really powerless. And it's fine. I wasn't created anything different than being human. So um, I'm so glad to be trudging in this road to back to my to my home, back, back to my higher power and back to my soul. Thank you so much for being there. And I pass. Thank you so much. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Again, we're discussing uh, step four in the inventory and uh, focusing on fear in this part of the study. It says we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. Again, why are we looking at fears and spending this time on, on fears? Well, we want to get rid of fear. We want to get rid of fear because the biggest problem with fear is, much like resentment, it blocks me off from God. It was an evil and corroding thread the big book has taught me. And certainly for me, it deeply affected uh, and touched virtually every aspect of my life. So through the four-step inventory, I needed to take a look and see where did these fears uh, emanate from. You know, because when I looked closely at my inventory of my fears, I was able to see, with the help of Recovered Compulsive Overeater and these instructions, just how many of them began with my own thinking and my own actions. That meant if the big book process could change my thinking and my actions, then the source of the fears would uh, be eliminated. And the opposite was also true. If I was not going to change my thinking and my actions, I would go on thinking and acting pretty much the same way I always had, and the same familiar fears were going to keep coming back. So even though I could get rid of my fears through writing them down uh, and through prayer, that's not a personality change. New fears were only going to rush in to take their place. Uh, but if if through the process, through submitting myself to this process, the inventory process, steps four through nine, I could start to uh, cooperate with God's grace and get rid of the fears that plagued me. And instead of getting rid of each and every one individually, I could get rid of fear itself. It says, at once we commit to commence to outgrow fear. That last sentence of this passage is very important. It says that as soon as you make such a prayer to your higher power, you begin to outgrow your fear. The results are immediate. The results are immediate. Um, And that's exactly what a spiritual awakening allows for. It allows for a greater consciousness. I'm becoming awake. When I wasn't awake, when I was sleeping behind the wheel, so to speak, I had no choice. Before, I was compelled to think and feel and act in certain ways according to the conditioning of my mind. I was reacting to life, right? That's what we do in disease. We react to life. 
I lived in the darkness, and there wasn't enough light in me to dispel that darkness. I wasn't woken up. I was sleeping behind the wheel. But now, with the process, this first action step begins. We begin a level of consciousness. We begin to realize there, there is a choice here. I can go to someone who's reliable, whose relationship with, my, with me is indestructible and unmeasurable, and that is a relationship with God. And every time I pray, I change a little bit. I'm, I'm not what I used to be. We're trying to uh, become what God intends us to be. Right? We come here with certain conditions in our mind. One of those conditions is fear. And because of that condition, it always led us back to compulsive overeating, just like resentment. But what if we can change from that to something that God intends us to be? That's what a personality change is all about. And this is the beginning of that process. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, I'm Sheila. Uh-huh. Mayor Sheila? Sheila, go ahead. Good morning. Vision for you, Sheila H. from New York. I definitely wanted to step in and claim my seat this morning. Um, you know, the faith and the shifting that I've had with this new awareness with the power greater than myself has been quite a relief. You know, the fear run riot, you know, um, I was told by a sponsor years ago, fear is false, evidence appearing real. And I said to her, it feels real to me, because when you feel it in the pit of your stomach and it goes up to your mind, it feels very real, you know. But today I know that the continued work that I do, leaning on my power, my God, power greater than myself, it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and you can't have fear and faith in the same breath. At least that's what I'm told by spiritual leaders. Fear and faith don't walk together. Um, But the more I turn things over and I use the step in place of the um, obsessive thoughts that can take over, uh, the lighter it feels. You know, as long as I stay in prayer, I have hope. As long as I have hope, I know I have another day of recovery. You know, I had a real nervous uh, scare, a test that I had to take, and... um, it would have ran me crazy, you know, but I prayed. I prayed with some of my vision for you fellows, and I thank you for those prayers, and everything turns out well. And amazingly, I was able to put things out of my mind and put one foot in front of the other and go through my day. And that's an example of turning my life over to a power greater than myself. Before I know I would have been in it, in the fear, in the food, or in the control. Um, but today I know for sure there's been a shifting in my psychic, and I thank you for that. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sheila. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Sally. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Now about sex, many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes. Absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. 
One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? And um, still Sally recovered in South Jersey. And um, when we take a look at this now about sex, I think it's no mistake that this is coming right after um, our fear conduct and our, our fear inventory has been taken and ending with that sentence, at once we commence to outgrow fear. Well, doesn't this topic now about sex conjure up some fear in, in some of us? Um, when I see uh, what's being said here, right away what conjures up in my mind is um, shame. More than anything, it's shame. It's guilt over mistakes I've made. It's poor boundaries that I've exhibited. It's manipulations that I've done using sex. And I have to say, don't we have a right to hold others accountable and grieve over the negative effects that their actions have had, that other people's actions have had on our lives? And yet here we are taking an inventory. We are asked to to take responsibility and to stop making excuses for our choices, for our reactions, for our self-imposed bondage due to the self-will and the self-reliance, for our own poor boundaries. Now about sex, may I say, in the past I was hiding. I was living in the shadows and in the dark. Now it's about uncovering. In the past I was blaming. Now I'm taking responsibility. Many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we try to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off track. And here we find human opinions running to extremes. Someone shared yesterday something that was very important for me because um, one of the top things on my list of character flaws is that I'm extremely opinionated. And someone said, we no longer give our opinions. Instead, we only share our experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, that really stuck. It was like a bullet that went past me but actually stopped and stuck right next to me. Wow. We are not going to give our opinions because there are so many opinions. And this chapter includes a sentence, we do not want to be the arbiter, the judge of anyone. It goes on to say, we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? We are at this point in a time of self-examination as we are taking this fourth step self-examination, and we are asked to guard against examining others and blaming others. Not because they're not culpable, but because we're changing the, the lens of the camera that we hold over our eye. We have an SLR camera, and we shift that lens, and we take it off the other guy, the other person, and we have to take a look at ourselves, especially when we're taking this, this particular inventory because when we take a look at our sex conduct the whole point of them asking us to do this is because this is talking about our deepest troubled relationships and so much will be uncovered in terms of our relationships through this particular inventory and so I guess I'll just end by saying it's time to take an honest self-evaluation not 
a morbid self-condemnation. And that's what we're being asked to do here. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Katie G. from Boston. Your turn. Good morning, everyone. My name is Katie G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm grateful to be on the line, absent and sober, by the grace of God. Um, and really excited to be at, about, at this portion of the fourth step, right? We're taking inventory of the manifestations of self, resentment, fear, and sexual misconduct. And um, for me, I came into the work um, as an abstinent woman, and um, the biggest devastation in my life is that I, I remember calling someone as an abstinent woman only, not recovered, and saying to her, how could someone ever love me if they knew the kind of behaviors that I engaged in? No one could ever love me. And that kind of shame that a previous speaker that talked about, um, I needed to, I needed an overhauling. I needed to take apart and do a thorough exam. And we're not talking about like the, the morbid, morbid details of sex. We're talking about another area that is the manifestation of self. That's what my sponsor and I talked about. Another area in which I got off because I was constantly asking and demanding and using other people to put me first to make me feel better so that I didn't have to deal with this God-shaped void inside of me. You know, and I love this. It's so amazing talking about it really, the big book neutralizes everything. It says it's easy to get way off track. We can start, you know, dialoguing about you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing this, but that's not what this is about. None of us are here to judge anyone about it. And the, the most powerful line for me is we all have sex problems. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, God. You mean I'm not the only one who's been suffering for, you know, 35 years trying to figure out this whole thing? You know, I mean, there are, my friends and I joke, there are so many books in the self-help section about sex, and then you turn on the radio and every single song is about sex. You know, it's all, I mean, this is a human experience. But for me, as a, as a compulsive overeater, the reason sex, one of the reasons sex is so important too is because just like in the amends, if we don't complete our amends and if we don't, you know, make restitution and continue to learn how to conduct ourselves as women of honor, dignity, and grace and men of honor, dignity, and grace with sex, we will eat again. And that's one of the promises that this work tells us is, is if I don't clean this up, I will eat again. So, so how can I look at sex as preparing me to look at sex from an entirely different angle, to not look at it with this lens of judgment and fear and whatever, but to just look at, okay, how am I, how am I acting like, an, like a compulsive overeater and, and demanding that my needs get met without regard to you as a human being? You know, and today I can tell you that, you know, I'm not yet married, I, I, but I engage with men in a way that I know God is proud of, you know, and, and, and each time I show up and I learn how to say no or I learn how to say yes or I learn how to trust someone, it's amazing, you know. I mean, God, um, they say, you know, um, a little bit down the page that, you know, that our sex powers are God-given. Thank you, God. They're not to be, you know, we're not to be ashamed of them. And um, I'll just close by saying, you know, I came into this work and I got such 
freedom, especially from this area, hearing other women talk honestly about their sex conduct and about the shame that they had, and by sharing it and making amends for it and cleaning up their behavior, how they really felt like they could work, look the world in the eye and be women of honor, dignity, and grace. Um, so, you know, if you're new and you're wondering why the heck we're talking about sex, it's just another manifestation of self. It's just another opportunity for me to get way off track in my behaviors. And most importantly, it's another opportunity for me to behave with God's grace. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? My name is Andy. I'd like to share This is that. Janice. I heard a gentleman and then Janice, I believe. Gentleman? Yes, this is Andy. Um, Randy, could you speak yeah. up, please? Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Andy. Andy, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I relate a whole lot with this situation here as far as the sex conduct, and it is really definitely uh, an area that needs uh, a lot of, uh, how would I say, I uh, basically need to really take a good look at it and actually have gotten to a point where I believe that my higher power has been kind of having me deal with this issue. I've been married for 26 years, and uh, if anybody's been married, they know that that is always a real issue when it comes to a lot of marriages is that, you know, it's usually in general that the man wants more sex than the woman, and it creates issues all the time. And, uh, I have to I've gotten to the point where I've had to really take an honest look at myself and see where have I been selfish, you know, and and that's really what it comes down to for me is that, you know, I have to take an honest look in that area where I'm not thinking about her needs as much as my own and where I'm just being, you know, really just selfish about the whole situation and uh, because this is one way that, you know, one of the biggest ways that you can connect to a man's heart is in the sex area. And uh, that's why sometimes there's so many problems in marriage because it seems like the man's always asking for it, but he's not going about it the right way. And, uh, you know, it just really kind of brings a separation between him and his spouse. So, and I'm speaking on myself, you know, and, uh, so that is a big area, and I definitely need to keep continuing to ask the Lord to give me direction in this area. And I guess, you know, I'm coming to an age where I'm finally starting to to not be as selfish about it. And uh, I'm hoping and praying that, you know, this situation does come to a point where we can actually, you know, have a, a better relationship in this area where I'm not just being the selfish person that I've always been. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Andy. And Janice, please. Janice, star one to unmute. All right, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So here we are in our inventory process, and then they say, now, about sex. Ooh, touchy subject. I remember reading this for the first time thinking, wow, they're going to address everything. They're going to look deeply at everything and share from their own experience. I was very grateful for that because this subject 
while most of us have issues in this subject, we needed to look at it from a whole different way, from a whole different way. You know, my beloved husband always used to call it he-in and she-in. And it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight, married or living together or dating or what you're doing. You know, they're talking about relationships here where there's physical attraction and then our conduct in those relationships, our conduct. How is our character showing itself in these relationships? And that was what needed looking at. That was what needed looking at. And they tell us in this paragraph that there's going to be people who have all sorts of ideas. We're at all ends of the spectrum. All ends of the spectrum. Because indeed, we are all oh so human. Oh so human. And so we're going to be able to see its significance in our recovery. How does this, my sex conduct, also fit in with all those fears and angers and resentments and the conduct and the character that I now want God to reveal to me? You know, I want to be able to do it differently. Shift my perception. Help me to see it differently. In this area as well. It's this area as well. And we all, it says, we all have sex problems. We all do. We all do. And thank God for that. It was good to be reminded of that. That once again, I am not alone. Once again, these first 100 recovered alcoholics were brave enough to say, you have to look at it all. You have to look at the whole package. There isn't one area left uncovered. They all deserve to be looked at, to be addressed, because God can help in all areas. You know, there were so many things that I thought I would take to my grave, secrets, parts of my conduct I just didn't think I could share with anybody. I could barely look at them myself. In fact, every time my mind started to go in that direction, I would just slam that door shut and say, don't think about that. That's all in the past. But you know what? I needed to look at it so that I could go on today, so that I could take a step forward into the sunlight, so that everything about me could be looked at and loved. Because that's the real deal, the whole deal, the only deal, that we have to accept ourselves for exactly who we are so that God can take that and transform us. And I am so very, very grateful that they were brave enough to address this subject as well. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Now about sex. (laughs) Rather personal, isn't it? Uh, It hits close to home, you know, for for all of us. But uh, why why now are we going to move away from looking at resentments and fears into the area of sex and sex conduct, well, because that's another area that can block us from God. And that area, sexual relations, can cause us to feel guilt, to feel shame, remorse. And one of the fastest and easiest ways we harm each other, of course, is in this area of sex relations through our sex conduct. So the big book is going to have us take a look through this fourth step inventory. Um, it's possible to hurt 
many different people in many different ways through sex relations. We're not just, the big book's not just asking us to list the people uh, we were sexually involved with. There are ways to harm people in this area, even if we've not had sex with each one of them. Um, there's a variety of ways. You know, all action is born in thought. So if my thinking is twisted and distorted, then my behavior is going to be twisted and distorted. So this can appear and manifest itself in a number of ways. You know, we can lose our personal sense of what morality is. We can act lustfully. We can be lustful. We can avoid intimacy in our current relationships or past relationships. Maybe we've... uh, had a tendency to be seductive, to seduce others. Maybe we feel guilt and shame. Um, maybe we've been too demanding in relationships when it comes to sex relations. Maybe we have withheld. Maybe that's our favorite uh, flavor of the day is withholding sex. Maybe we've been flirtatious. Maybe we've acted inappropriate. So there's a variety of ways, but the big book tells me right here, we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. So the big book's not going to judge us on this. It's not the judge of anyone's sexual conduct. With the, the big book does not draw any lines where sex is concerned, nor does it tell us what's sexually acceptable and what's not. The whole purpose of this process is to help us shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life so that we can learn from these mistakes. We're not being judged. We're having an opportunity to learn from past mistakes so that we can have a better relationship in the here and now and let God mold our idea, our ideals of what's right and help us live up to those ideals. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Amy. Amy, your turn. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Boy, am I so grateful for those who have gone before and, you know, put pen to paper to write these first 164 pages. Now, as you said, we're in the fourth step. And, um, you know, everything goes in a certain order. And I think one of the reasons that they started with resentment, if we go down to the bottom of page 64, it says, we asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, we found it was our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our emotions, our personal relationships, quotes, in quotes, or in parentheses, including sex, where we were hurt or threatened. So we were sore, we were burned up. And I think for me, when we got to the sex part, I had already started dealing with this in my resentments because, boy, was I burned up and sore and angry because I had felt hurt and threatened in this area of sex. This was one of the hugest resentments that I had towards a couple of people. And it was very important that I first deal sequentially with what was killing me first. And those resentments, and particularly in the sex conduct area and what I felt that I, how I felt I had been victimized in this area, had to be addressed first. And I had to understand my bondage to that resentment in that area first and be willing to let go and trust and rely on God. And I think that's why they say that paragraph prior to the sex as well. We have to trust infinite God here. I won't be able to fix all of these problems, address every single itty-bitty thing like they're saying here. We don't want to sit here for six months in a sex inventory, okay? This is not the purpose of the fourth step. 
we are to look at these things. And I had to be willing to only look at myself. I had to deal with the resentment and the fear around that sex conduct first. And then I was willing to do the actual inventory. And I was ready and trusting God and willing to deal with that inventory, particularly now in that sex area. But I had to deal first with the resentment about it first. I had to go in order. I had to do it the way the big book said to do it, or I wouldn't have been ready. Because by the time I got to this, I was trusting God. I was trusting God and I was relying on God so that I could put pen to paper and only address my sex conduct, my manifestation of self in this area, not what everyone else did to me or what I perceived everyone else did to me. I was willing now to take a look what my actions, my behaviors were in this area. But I wasn't ready one moment before. And that's why we take this book as it comes and we take it sequentially and we work it the way it's written here. We follow the specific instructions here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Anyone else? Miriam. Come? Miriam, go ahead. Hi, this is Miriam. Miriam, calling from Israel, a compulsive overeater, living in the solution one day at a time. Yeah, here we got into the sex inventory, and uh, yeah, there's part of me that feels very, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame about certain things that I've done in my life, you know, with people and with myself, whatever. And the only thing I can say at the moment that this is part of of an inventory to not to blame and not to make us feel horrible or whatever. It's something that, you know, it is to put it on paper and to to make us aware, you know, what's been going on in, in our relationships, uh, including sex life, because I, I, I believe that this applies to any relationship, really. And, you know, the questions are going to come a bit later when we read the, the next paragraph. Again, you know, we have to ask ourselves, where have we been selfish? Where have we been dishonest? or inconsiderate, where have we hurt someone. So, again, it's looking at our side of the street and taking responsibility for it. Um, God has given all of us um, needs and, and, and drives for, for love, for food, for sex, for security, for, uh, you know, all kinds of things that are completely normal. The problem is that, uh, you know, when we lose balance about it you know we lose um we, we really lose the balance and we overdo it or we underdo it or whatever and that's that's what we are actually doing here you know by by turning it over to to god and doing this inventory uh asking him to help us with this to to get into a balance and uh, yeah with that i'll pass thank you thank you very much anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we close Angie? Nancy, go ahead. Hi, this is Angie. Um, when I first heard the the topic of this paragraph, I thought, oh, I don't have to really fully listen to this. I haven't had interaction with someone in six years because I'm divorced and, you know, that's just not where I'm at. But as I began to listen more, um, you guys helped me reflect on my past and I definitely have regrets and have feel like I've made mistakes in the past and I thought I had come to terms with that because living with regret is pointless and 
I know that God has covered my mistakes with grace and I can live fully today, but the big book really does delve into my life and brings out the stuff I may not want to look at and helps me look at it with God's help and then helps me heal and, you know, someday I I liked what someone said that this big book helps us prepare to have healthy relationships and that's something I want to have eventually when God brings the right person at the right time. As I recover, I'd like a healthy relationship and I'm not sure I know how to do that, but um, just trusting God today and um, working on my recovery kind of um, in a rough spot right now. So if there's a time to share my number later, that'd be great. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Angie, and welcome. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie F., are you available to please read from a page, page 164, Vision for You? Yes. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.